uh, on Sunday nights, uh, we have been teaching a series of lessons on the subject of love, and we have uh, most recently been teaching about how to develop the love of God in you, and uh, so we are looking at that again this evening, how to develop the love of God in you. We have a theme scripture that we've been studying throughout this series on love, and the theme scripture is John 15 and verse 12. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. So we are commanded to love each other in the way God loves us, in the way Christ loves us. Now the word develop, because we're talking about developing the love of God in you, means to uh, according to Webster, to become larger, fuller, better, to grow or to evolve, to be disclosed or to work out by degrees, to reveal or to make known gradually, simply getting what's on the inside to the outside. Uh, what's on the inside uh, into our attitude, into our words, into our actions, uh, the way we treat other people. And uh, we are commanded to love them, so we want the love of God that we have been born of. We are born of God, so therefore we are born of love, and we have God's love nature on the inside of us, so we have the ability to love like God loves. He doesn't command us to do something that we cannot do. He's commanded us to do something He's given us the ability to do. And so uh, we want to draw it out, if you will. We want to uh, disclose. We want to reveal it, and it is by degrees. In other words, it is a process of growth and development. It means to grow, to evolve, and so to become fuller or better. And so we are getting what's on the inside to the outside. An example of that in photography, according to Webster, it says to put an exposed film, plate, or printing paper in various chemical solutions in order to make the picture visible. It's kind of old school photography. We hardly even think about those things anymore because we just take a cell phone uh, picture and uh, we have an instant picture and then we work with it if you want to make it look better. Uh, you can make it look better, and uh, so we don't think of it in quite the process that this example is, but basically they dip the film or the uh, printing uh, plate or paper into that chemical solution, and it drew the image out. The image was there. It just needed to be put in that solution in order to make it visible. So the image of God is on the inside of you. Because you're in Christ and you're created after God in His likeness and in His image, according to Ephesians 4, verse 24. So you can put on this new man which after God is created in God's image and likeness. So you have this love nature on the inside of you. So by dipping your spirit, so to speak, in this word... Hallelujah. It will cause the image of Christ to come out of you. And so the first thing that causes this to happen, we uh, use as a principle, of course, in this teaching, is that you meditate on God's Word. So when you meditate on the Word of God, it draws what's in you to the outside. It draws Jesus out of you. And that it draws the love of God out of you. So meditation on the Word or meditation on the love of God, the Word of God concerning love, is vital for you to develop in the love of God. 
Then secondly, we saw that we are to obey the commandments of God. In obeying the commandments of God, uh, then we grow and uh, we begin to express the love of God. And we've looked at a number of scriptures regarding that. And so I'll not take the time to review uh, that this evening. Then thirdly, uh, we talked about practicing love. Practicing love. I'll just give you one verse of scripture for that. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 12, we've already looked at it actually this past Wednesday. Uh, no man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us. Let me read it one more time. No man has seen God at any time. So people can't see God, but they can see him expressed through you. If we love one another, God dwells in us. It's proof of God's love dwelling in us, and his love is perfected in us. So the love of God is perfected in us as we love one another. In other words, practicing the love of God. When you practice love, when you do it over and over again, then, the, then you develop in the love of God. It becomes easier, becomes like more second nature to you uh, to act right instead of act wrong, to love someone, be kind to someone, to believe the best of someone rather than believing the worst or be unkind. So the love of God is coming out of you uh, con- more consistently because you have developed the love of God in your life or you have become more perfected in the love of God so God's love itself is perfect without anybody doing anything but for it to be perfected in you you must grow in it amen all right so then tonight we want to uh, look at this uh, point and that is to pray that God's love would increase in your life Pray that God's love would increase in you. And so we're going to look at a scripture. The first scripture we want to look at is here in Philippians chapter 1, and we will begin with verse 9. This happens to be one of the many prayers of the Apostle Paul. There are a number of them found in the epistles, the letters written to the church, and uh, this is one of them. And sometimes uh, we have emphasized uh, Ephesians 1 prayer, and in then other cases we have emphasized Ephesians 3 prayer, and, uh, but there are a number of prayers in the New Testament that the Apostle Paul prayed, and he prayed them more than once, or he prayed them often. He said, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. All right, so we're going to begin in this particular passage with verse 9. It says, and this I pray, so it's actually a prayer, and this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. I am praying, now he's praying for the Philippian church because that's who he's writing to, or you could say we're going to pray for the church at Las Vegas, or we're going to pray for the church word of life, Right? Because we're all part of the church, the body of Christ, uh, worldwide. But yet, sometimes we need to be a little more specific in our prayer. We might need to pray for us here. Or we might need to pray for the body of Christ at large. We might need to pray for the body of Christ in Las Vegas. Or maybe we need to pray for a certain uh, group in the church, in the local church. Or maybe we need to pray for an individual in the church. 
and pray this prayer along with other prayers of the Apostle Paul by the Holy Spirit or given by inspiration of the Holy Spirit through uh, uh, Paul. All right, so in this case, he said, I'm praying this. So you can pray this prayer for yourself. You could pray this prayer for your uh, family member or someone you care about or you love or somebody that may even uh, not be so friendly to you. In this I pray that the love of God would abound toward them or in them. All right, so again, in this verse, let's look at this verse again. I pray that your love may abound or become abundant, yet more and more. So there's constant increase, more and more, in knowledge and in all judgment. So your love, when you increase in knowledge and you increase in love, then you actually have a clearer or better judgment or you're able to perceive things in a more proper way. Uh, if you, you know, I've done counseling over the years. I'm a pastor for now 38 years, so obviously I've done uh, quite a bit of counseling, and I've found that many times uh, in people's relationships, their issues, if you really got down to it, uh, were not always legitimate. It was based on perception. In many cases, maybe some of it was legitimate and other parts of it was just perception. In other words, you could perceive someone to think something or perceive someone that you are in relationship or friendship with to uh, think something. Or you could perceive that they acted a certain way and uh, you could uh, just uh, enlarge that in your mind and it could get worse and worse in your own thinking. Are you following me? Well, uh, sometimes our judgment is skewed by our lack of walking in love or understanding the love of God. But when you're walking in love, actually, you believe the best of other people. Rather than believing the worst, you believe the best. Rather than thinking that they meant evil for you or towards you, maybe you could think the best or, or believe the best of them and uh, choose to do that. Well, of course, there are very uh, legitimate reasons why, you know, that people are hurting other people, and we must address those things. If you're in relationship, uh, things need to be addressed. You can't just ignore them. We're not talking about ignoring things, uh, but actually communicating to get resolution uh, in our lives so that we can be better in our relationship. All right, so prayer is one of those things that you can do for your husband or you can do for your wife or you can do for your children. Pray for them. Pray for them that their love would abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. And you can pray that for yourself so that you are not perhaps uh, seeing things skewed by your offenses or your hurt or your pain. All right, let's go to the next verse. That you may approve the things that are excellent. And that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. That you would approve the things that are excellent and that you would be sincere and without offense. Everybody say sincere. Well, uh, there's actually places in Scripture talking, that talk about sincere love. Sincere love. It's pure love. It's 
not something that is tainted by uh, wrong motivation. It is sincere. It is true love. It is the love of God and that you love one another with a sincere love. So in this verse, he said (coughs) that you may be sincere and without offense. Wow, that's a big deal, that you would live without offense. You know, the Scripture says in the Psalms, it says, Great peace have they which love thy law. And listen to the last part of the verse. And nothing shall by any means offend them. Nothing will offend them. Great peace have they who love your law, and nothing shall offend them. All right, so then... In our lives, when we are loving God and loving His Word above our feelings. Have you ever noticed that your feelings have a lot to do with offense? Well, I felt like. I feel hurt, and understandably, in certain cases, it's legitimate. So that's why you need to, in certain cases, communicate. I felt hurt. When you said that, when you talked to me that way, or you acted that way. And so being able to communicate is healthy, in a healthy way, praise the Lord. But in this verse that we just quoted, he said, nothing shall offend them. Great peace have they that love your law. In other words, you love the word of God, and you in most cases just don't let offense get in your life. You choose not to be offended. You know, you can actually communicate without being offended. You can actually be honest and not have taken offense. You could actually communicate about your feelings and how you felt when they acted that way or said what they said or did what they did and not have offense in your life. You're just being open and you're being honest and you're being real, right? So he said, great peace have they that love your law, and nothing shall offend them. Well, in this verse, he said, sincere and without offense. So living free from offense is so tied to the love of God. As we're increasing in the love of God, in knowledge and in all judgment, having clear perception of the way things really are, hallelujah, then uh, we're not so easily offended. Thank you, Jesus. You know, love believing the best of other people, sometimes you realize that the way they are acting towards you is more their issue than it is yours. In many cases, it's more their issue. You're not the only one that's getting the blunt of that. They have that issue in their life, and they don't deal with it appropriately, and so they act that way not just to you, but they act that way to others too. So then, uh, why should you take offense and let that hinder your life from moving forward? Well, the best thing you can do is love them enough to forgive them, or if you need to, then communicate with them. So he says, sincere and without offense. Living free from offense. If you're offended, it pretty much tells you that you have a fence around your life that doesn't let them in. In other words, I don't want them close to me. 
right? And, and I'm not saying at certain points, at certain times, if people are constantly doing things that are inappropriate and communicating in ways that are hurtful, and sometimes you need to have certain boundaries in your life. doesn't necessarily mean you're offended, but I can tell you, if you're offended, you will build a wall. <laughs> You'll build a fence around you and say, nope, you're not getting close to me. I'm not going to let you do that to me, right? So offense is really something that separates people. It separates people from others. And so we don't want to live in offense. If you're walking in love, then you're not going to live in offense. Next verse, being, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, unto the glory and the praise of God, being filled with the fruits of righteousness. Now, we have talked about the fruit of the Spirit in this particular time of teaching, and we've talked about it in different uh, lessons at certain times. So, uh, the fruit of the Spirit is described in Galatians chapter 5. In Galatians chapter 5, it talks about the works of the flesh, lists out a number of different works of the flesh, not an exhaustive list. But then it uh, talks about the fruit of the Spirit in contrast to the works of the flesh. They're very opposite. The works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit are opposites. And so sometimes you have a mixed bag. Sometimes people are angry and sometimes they're walking in love. So you got a mixed bag. <laughs> Anger is a work of the flesh. All right. So you may have a mixed bag, but sometimes uh, you're walking in a more uh, love attitude. Or sometimes people just walking in the flesh. And so, therefore, they're uh, communicating or fulfilling the lust of the flesh, and they're walking after the flesh. And so, their attitudes and their actions and the way they treat people is not very kind, not very considerate. But if you're walking in love, then the love of God causes you to treat people with honor, respect, and dignity, and kindness, and courtesy. Amen? All right. So, then... In this verse, he said, being filled with the fruits of righteousness. There is a fruit that comes out of this righteous nature that you have in Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to read this uh, few verses, or at least some of them in different translations, and I'm going to read it to you first out of the Jordan translation. Clarence Jordan said it this way, that your love may keep growing. Now, what did we talk when we said uh, define for you the word develop? It means to, to, to grow or to evolve, right? It, it means what's on the inside is being revealed or disclosed on the outside. So Jordan says that you may keep growing in love until you have such keen perception. You have such keen perception that you can sort out the truly important matters. You have such keen perception that you can sort out the truly important matters. All right, so there's this book called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. And then he, the writer said, or the author said, and everything small stuff. Something to that nature, all right? In other words, sometimes we think things are so big. But you have such keen perception when you're walking in love. In other words, it just clears your head. It clears your mind. And it gives you accurate perception that you're able to sort out the truly important matters. What really matters? What is really important for me to talk about, uh, discuss, or communicate about uh, whether or not I even need to talk about this 
Or maybe I just need to just believe the best and go on. Or maybe I just need to just forgive if it's needed in my life. I just need to forgive. I don't think it's the best action or best behavior on their part. So I'm just going to forgive and I'm going to move on. Or it's a more important matter, and I believe that this is important enough that we communicate about so that we don't have to go down this road again. Or if we do go down this road, we've already had a discussion about it, and so they understand more clearly that this is not the way uh, to behave. Does that make sense? You're able, to truly, you're able to separate the truly important matters because you have, your perception is not so skewed. Right? You have a keen perception of what is important, how important it may be, and if it's necessary. Now, when it comes to uh, this kind of thing, obviously in some people's lives, some things are more important to you than they are to others. Does that make sense? It may be more important to you, this particular area of life and the way you act or behave or communicate, it may be more important to them than it is to you, so you need to love them enough to listen to their perception or listen to their uh, way of seeing it, because love considers someone else. Love is not out just for me. Love is out for you, is out for the other. Or especially somebody that you're in relationship with, you have a, if you're married to them, I mean, that would be pretty important that you consider them <laughs> rather than just yourself all the time, right? Uh, we're commanded as husbands to love our wife as Christ loved the church. Uh, how many are glad God was considering you when Jesus went to the cross instead of just himself? Obviously, he wasn't just considering himself. Jesus wasn't just considering himself. In fact, it was all about you. He loved you enough to go to the cross for you. So he laid down his life on your behalf. So love is considered of others. It's not just watching out for self all the time. All right, so then you have this keen perception. You're able to sort out the truly important matters. And Living Bible renders it this way. Living Bible says, my prayer for you is that you will overflow more and more with love for others. That you will overflow. Remember, we want to disclose. We want to reveal. We want it to come out of the inside of us. It means to become fuller or better. In other words, you get so full of the love of God that you start overflowing. Thank you, Jesus. Now, there are times when you've been in the presence of God. You're more conscious of God. You're more aware of who you are in Christ. You're more aware of the love of God in you. And it's easier to love people when you're that way. How many have found that to be true? It's just easier. I mean, you, you see people differently. Why? Because you're so full of the love of God. You're conscious of the love of God. You're conscious of uh, Jesus living on the inside of you, the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. So you're more likely to overflow with that kind of attitude towards somebody else. And so in the Living Bible translation, it says, it's a paraphrase. It says, my prayer for you is that you will overflow more and more with love for others. Well, that's really what Jesus commanded us to do. And so one of the ways that that's going to happen for you and for others is that we pray for ourselves, that we would overflow more and more with love for others, and that we pray for others, that they would overflow more and more with love for others. Love one another as I have loved you. And at the same time, keep on growing in spiritual knowledge and insight. 
Again, your love causes you to have better or clearer perception or insight. It's like the lights are on. If people are offended, you can talk to them sometimes, and it's like no one left the lights on. In other words, they're offended. And you talk, but they don't hear. Why is that? Because the lights are out. Their perception is off. The way they see things is totally different. Why? Because they're offended. It's just built this mental block. It's built this darkness in their minds uh, that hinders them uh, from being open to someone else other than what they believe or the way they perceive. So then they're basically walking in darkness rather than in the light because offense causes the devil to have access to a person's mind and it causes their, their eyes of their mind to be blind. The God of this world blinds the minds of those that believe not. So when you're not believing the word and acting on the word, walking in love, walking in the light, then darkness invades your head, invades your mind. And so people are not able to see the way they should be able to see as a Christian, as a believer. But darkness has invaded their thought life. Darkness has invaded their mind. And they don't perceive things the way the Scripture would communicate them. All right. Love its translation. That your love will increase steadily, but along with it, greater knowledge and keener insight. That your love would increase steadily. So what are we praying? That God's love would increase in us more and more. That we would increase in the love of God. We would have more and more of the love of God flowing out of us toward others. But along with it, with this love of God increasing in your life, is greater knowledge. All right, let me give you another scripture. Knowledge puffs up. What does that mean? That means you're puffed up in pride. So just because somebody has knowledge doesn't necessarily mean that they are seeing properly. Knowledge puffs up. Pride causes people to be uh, in darkness and causes people to stumble and causes people to fall. So when you're not walking in love, you just, well, I got knowledge and I know this. Oh, yeah, well, <laughs> we can already tell by your attitude that that knowledge has puffed up. Knowledge puffs up, but love does what? It edifies. It builds up. Not only yourself, but others. So uh, when you're walking in the love of God, you have a humble attitude. You're not always prideful and well, it's the way I think, or I know. No, love is willing to listen to others as well. At least consider what they have to say. Thank you for one grunt. All right, give you another translation, Amplified Bible. So that you may surely learn to sense what is vital and approve and prize what is excellent and of real value. 
Approve and prize what is excellent and of real value, recognizing the highest and the best, and dis- distinguishing the moral differences, and that you may be untainted and pure and unerring and blameless. This is what love will do in your life. That you would be untainted and pure, unerring, blameless, so that your hearts, so that with hearts sincere and certain and unsullied, you may approach the day of Christ not stumbling nor causing others to stumble. Now you can meditate on that for the uh, next month. Just, just that verse alone in the Amplified Bible, and it'd probably help you a whole lot. All right, just listen to it. I'm going to read it again. So that you may, be, you may uh, surely be, uh, learn to sense what is vital, approve, and prize what is excellent and of real value, recognizing the highest and the best, distinguishing the moral differences, and that you may be untainted, pure, and unerring, and blameless. This world doesn't taint you or you're not seeing through this world's eyes the way the world sees you're pure and unerring and blameless so that with hearts sincere and certain unsullied you may approach the day of Christ not stumbling nor causing others to stumble not being offended not causing others to be offended You know, life would be a lot sweeter if we'd live that way, wouldn't it? Life would be a lot easier. Thank you, Jesus. But pride causes people to think, well, it's my way. It's the way I think. It's this way. And even with their knowledge, people can become puffed up in their attitude. All right, go with me to 1 John. 1 John. Not being offended, not, not stumbling yourself, and not causing others to stumble. We're going to go to 1 John chapter 2, and we'll begin with verse 8. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 8. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you. A new commandment I write to you. Which thing is true in him, in Christ, and in you. Because the darkness is past and the true light now shines. The darkness is past and the true light now shines. So what thing is true in him is also true in you. When you get in Christ, when you get born again, the same life that is in him is in you. In John chapter 1, it says, In him was life, and the life was the what? Light of men. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness comprehends it not or overcame it not. So within this life is this light. And within this life is this love. So the love of God, the life of God, and the light of God, all three are connected together. The life of God, the light of God, and the love of God. 
So when you're walking in the light, you're walking in love. Or walking in the light of God's love. When you're walking in love, then you're walking in light. If you're walking in love, you're walking in, in, in the life of God. Because life and love are connected. Life, love, and light are all connected. One tells you you're living by the other. You're walking in the light of God's word. You're walking in the light of God's love. You're walking in life itself. And praise God, you're living in the light. All right, so let's look at this verse again. He said, because the darkness is past and the true light now shines. The same life that is in Christ is in you. The same love that is in Christ is in you. The thing that is true in him is also true in you. The darkness is past, the true light now shines. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. If he say, says that he's in the light, but he hates his brother, he's still in darkness. It's really a quiet message tonight. He's walking in darkness or she's walking in darkness. So it's not necessarily in your case what you say in that case. Right? It's really about what you're doing. So he's walking in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light. Now listen to the next part of the verse. And there is none occasion of stumbling in him. He that loves his brother is abiding in the light. He's walking in the light. And there is none occasion of stumbling in him. So he's not stumbling, nor is he causing others to stumble. One of your motivations for obedience to the Word of God and walking holy before God is that you don't cause others to stumble, according to Romans chapter 14. So it's not just about you. It's all also what you do that could cause someone else to stumble. So some things you do just because you don't want to hurt anyone else's conscience. Well, let me just give you an example. Abstain from all appearance of evil. So you could do some things that are not evil in themselves, but they could appear to be evil, which gives someone else cause to make judgment or cause to think they could do the same thing and they would stumble in that particular situation. You know, as a pastor for 38 years, I've endeavored to not put myself in positions and situations where it would appear to be something that it is not. Especially with someone of the opposite sex be in a situation where I'm alone with them and I'm in a situation where others could say that, well, what's he doing? I mean, in my situation more recently, you know, my wife was in the hospital there were ladies that were on our staff that were trying to assist me with basic care of our house and, and things. And so uh, I said, well, uh, I need two ladies because I don't want one lady at my house and I'm there. Because someone could say, well, what's he doing? What's the pastor doing when his wife's in hospital? You know? What is it? It's the appearance of evil. It's not something that I would do necessarily, something evil. It's a matter 
of what it looks like. Are you hearing me? So some things you just have to take precautions because, and especially in our world today, all you need is one little video, and then that goes viral. And then they say you were doing something that you weren't even doing. I'm preaching better than your amen. Or then some people, they'll post things about themselves that if you looked at their post, it looks like their character is in some cases less than what it is. Imagine that. So people's perception of you is not really even necessarily who you are. So your appearance of evil can give people the perception that is not necessarily who you are. And you, want, you don't want that to be the way people see you. Am I making sense? So people do it all the time. They, make, they put on social media. You would think they're trying to uh, seduce somebody. Just smile. Just act like it's not you. Nobody knows except everybody that sees you on Facebook. <laughs> no, you have to watch what you post and consider the things that you say. Why? Because people perceive you by what you say, the way you look. Right? What you communicate is what people's perception of you is. So you want to portray the a sincere character of the love of God and the life of God and the light of God, you don't want to call somebody to stumble. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Do I need to go any deeper here? Go ahead. I got some go-aheads. I've got some uh, oh me's and so that's enough, Pastor. Please let that go. You get the, uh, the point or the principle is primary. Then take that and apply it to your own life and how you can do things that protect from the appearance of evil because you don't want to cause somebody to stumble and you don't want to certainly stumble yourself because what people think they can handle is not always what they can handle. I think I'll say that again. I say what people think they can handle, they got their spiritual maturity and their level of maturity. I can handle this. It's not really going to cause me to stumble. But give it enough times and they end up stumbling. And then they mess up their lives and they mess up other people's lives because other people are looking at them and trusting that they were a Christian that loved God and that was living with a character that was above reproach. And now they have stumbled and it hindered somebody else's faith and confidence in God as well. Are you with me? All right. So just do things that don't put you in that kind of position. Praise the Lord. All right, so let's go on, unless we come back. Sometimes we just make a little round, circle back, but we're going to move on. All right, so in this verse, he says that there's none occasion of stumble, stumbling in him. 
But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth because that darkness has blinded his eyes. He doesn't even know where he's going. Because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So offenses, hatred, bitterness, resentment, all of those kinds of things blind people. They become blind. And so they can't see. They don't perceive properly. So your perception and the way you see and your insight is greatly affected by your walking in light or walking in darkness. Or your perception or your insight is greatly affected by your walking in love or the lack of walking in love. Are you with me? So the light of God's Word shining into your heart causes your eyes to open and causes you to know where you're going, know what your behavior should be, know what your action should be, and your, your perception. In other words, you pay attention and you're able to recognize your own behavior. You're able to recognize, uh, the Scripture says, uh, that they're not able to see afar off. It's not what is going to happen in the next five minutes. It's amazing that, you know, something may have happened. People may have done something 10 years ago, and then now it shows up and people post it on social media. What does it do to their character? It ruins people's faith in them, doesn't it? And so it may have happened 10 years ago, or it may have happened two years ago, or it may have happened six months ago. But what you do in your behavior and the image that you portray could actually affect your life and your family and your children And in some cases, it wasn't even something that you did wrong, per se. It was, in some cases, an appearance. And by people's perception, they took it to the extreme in what they said about you. And here you go. You've lost your credibility. Thank you, Jesus. It's a real quiet sermon tonight. All right, let's go to 1 Thessalonians. Thank you, Jesus. Some, some people can't see past COVID. Some people can't see past the election. It's really sad. They'll divide with the body of Christ. You know what? Five elections down the road, the body of Christ is still going to be the body of Christ. So you're going to get political now? No, I'm just telling you that there is a consequence of dividing yourself from the body of Christ. There's a consequence. And you're going to experience pain down the road 
when you divide from relationships that are most vital to your life. It's going to be a painful experience. And some people will separate over politics. Praise the Lord. And even become hateful. Sad. You're talking about perception. Oh, political times. Oh, man, they'll just ruin your character. They'll just thrash people to death in politics. You, you might want to really think before ever going into politics. <laughs> All right, but it's a good thing if you have a calling to do something. But if you didn't, who would want the job? The brutal mentality of people. But don't wanna, you don't want to separate over politics. When this election is over and when the next election is over, Christ will still be king. Hallelujah. I say Christ will still be king. He was before. He is during. And he will be after. Praise the Lord. Jesus Christ is still Lord no matter what. You say, oh, you hit a nerve there, Pastor, when you started talking about that. Don't talk about politics nor people's children. All right, so. <laughs> All right, so when it comes to the love of God, love supersedes politics. Love, it goes beyond anything. You can have your perception and you have your opinion, but I'm not going to separate just because you don't agree with me. I'm not going to quit loving somebody just because they don't agree with me or don't agree with somebody else or don't agree with my principle. Even if they don't agree with me concerning the Bible. I'm not going to, I'm not going to hate somebody because they don't agree with me. Listen, I've been preaching for 40 years plus. There's a lot of people that haven't agreed with me. Sometimes it took them 40 years to begin to agree. It's true. Sometimes it took them 10 years to agree or come around. When it comes to the Bible, I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about the Bible. But you could preach to people for 10 years, and they still don't believe it. But I don't get upset with them. I just keep preaching. I just keep telling them the truth. I've been preaching on tithing in this church for 38 years, and some of you still had not got it. Man, you're talking about really getting a nerve right now. We're talking about tithing. I've been preaching on tithing. So what, what good it, would it be for me to get up and get angry with you and get upset with you every time I preach on tithing and talk about tithing like every service and got mad at you every time I knew you weren't doing it? That would really go over really good, wouldn't it? That I'd get up and get angry and upset with you and just lash at you? And thrash you. Listen, if you never do the word, I'm going to love you. You just aren't going to get the blessing that God wants you to have. You can sing in the choir. You can sing on the worship team. You can pray in the Holy Ghost. You can prophesy. But you're not going to get blessed the way God wants you to get blessed. But I'm not going to be offended at you because you don't do it. I can't make anybody do it. If I could have made you, I'd have made you the first, first sermon. I said, do this and get with it. 
pull, jerk the slack right out of you, and you'd be a perfect Christian. Isn't that wonderful? But that's not the way it is. I have to preach the word, teach the word, give you the truth, and then you have to decide whether or not you're going to do it. We all have responsibility to be people that walk in the light. So I, when it comes to love, I'm just going to preach on love if you don't do it. I can't make you do it. God himself can't make you do it. You know God would have done that a little while ago. If he could just make you walk in love, but he can't make you walk in love. Am I preaching real good? Am I helping somebody? But I'm not going to get upset with you because you don't. I'm just going to love you. Just keep on loving you. Just keep on. <laughs> keep on. If you act out, praise the Lord. Brother Hagin said, if the deacon's getting a fist, fight, a fist fight out in the parking lot, I'm just going to pray for them, get them right with God, and we're going to go on. He said, sometimes I felt like skinning them alive, hanging them up on the wall, and salting them down. <laughs> you know, it's kind of an old illustration. I don't know if I would try that if I were you. But anyway, he said, I felt like skin them alive, hang them up, and salt them down like you would a piece of meat, you know. Hang it in, the, in the, what they call the smokehouse. Just salt it down. He said, I felt like that. He said, but I'd just get up and preach on love. It helped me and helped them. Praise the Lord. So if you're wondering why I'm preaching on love, it's not because I feel like skinning you alive, salting you down. It's just because I want to see you succeed in life. And I want you to know that there is life after the election. There's life after COVID. There's life that goes on. Praise God, no matter what's going on in your life and in your world. So if you're so, so worked up about everything in this world and what's on social media, I'm telling you, there is life after all that's gone. There is the body of Christ where Jesus Christ is Lord. Hallelujah to Jesus. Hallelujah to Jesus. I said where Jesus Christ is Lord and the love of God abounds and Jesus Christ wants you to live in, walk in the light, walk in love. And if you want to find your healthy place, your place of rest and place of joy and place of peace, Praise God. Some people, they don't live in any peace because they're so afraid that COVID's going to sneak in their house. Come on, God doesn't want you to live in fear. I mean, there are practical things that you do, but fear is not of God, even if it's of COVID. I'm preaching better than you're amening right now. I said, fear is not of God. Maybe some practical steps. Wash your hands, but don't live in fear. Don't touch your face without washing your hands, but don't live in fear. Wear a mask if needed, but don't live in fear. Go find somewhere somebody's not at and take your mask off and take a good breath. Woo! Feels good. I've been going to therapy all through this thing. I've been going to the hospital through this thing. i got to wear a mask. Shoo, when I get out. Ah, feels like I just got delivered. 
I wasn't afraid when the therapist was sitting this far away from me. I'm not afraid when I come to church. I'm not afraid when I go to the hospital. I'm not afraid when I get on the airplane. I'm not afraid when I go where people don't wear a mask. Because places I've gone, they don't wear masks. It's a different city, different state, different place. Praise the Lord. So I can't change their, their culture, what they're doing right now. I can't change what, everything that they're doing here. But I can just live in faith wherever I'm at. Whatever situation you find yourself in, whatever you have to deal with, I'm going to live in faith. I'm not going to live in fear. I'm preaching real good here. Hallelujah. Preach it. Hey, come on. If you're wearing a mask or if you're not wearing a mask, or if you're going to the hospital or if you're not going to the hospital, if you're going to the grocery store, I'm like, fear can grip your mind. Wearing a glove or not wearing a glove? Thank you, Jesus. You don't want to live in fear. Perfect love does what? Cast out fear. Cast out fear. All right. Your perception. So what you do, you do in faith. Whatever I'm going to do, I'm going to do it in faith. I'm going to wash my hands in faith. Believe the soap works. (laughs) Believe the hot water works. But not everybody does. Because if you get too fearful, you won't believe in anything that's working. In other words, fear has no stopping point. The devil will never stop when it comes to fear. Unless you just stop it. Say, no, I'm going to wash my hands, but I believe God I'm healed. Wear a mask, believe God I'm healed. Hallelujah. Associate with people, believe God I'm not catching anything. Glory to God. (laughs) When this thing first happened, you know, they weren't wearing masks yet. We were traveling. I came off the airplane, and I just sneezed. And it reverberated through the airport. And past, past, this was actually when they first really just really were hammering it. And, you know, there weren't any requirements necessarily, but I was in the airport. And when I sneeze, I don't sneeze. Carol was my assistant for many years. And she sneezes like this. I don't know how she does it. How do you hold that in? It's true. Right, Darnell? How does she do that? You can't even hear. You just see this little reaction and, okay. Me, I go, achoo! So I came off the the, uh, airplane. I walked down the uh, jetway. I walked into the airport in this tall ceiling, and I went, achoo! It was like fear all over the place. (laughs) Pastor Andy said, you know, you're not supposed to do that right now. It's like people fell dead everywhere. (laughs) 
I said, sorry. Yeah, before we did all we do today. Praise the Lord. I don't know. It just comes on me, and I let it fly. So that's not polite, Pastor. It sure feels good, though. (laughs) I'm working on it. It's not fun to sneeze in a mask. Oh, how gross is that? When you're on an airplane, you go, achoo! And you got to wear that for the next two hours. (laughs) Do we have a spare? Listen, stuff we got to deal with, right? But you don't live in fear. Am I helping, helping somebody? Praise God. Refuse to let fear grip your mind. It's a destructive force. It gets a grip on your soul. We're not going to live in fear. I'm going to live in faith. Hallelujah to Jesus. There are missionaries that go to other countries. They take precautions. You watch what you eat. If you don't, you're in the bathroom a lot. Some of these kids go on mission trips with Pastor Andy. I tell them, don't brush your teeth with that water. I mean, you don't live here. You haven't built up the antibodies that will kill that stuff. <laughs> these people, they, do, they drink that water. They, they live here. They eat that stuff. They live here, but you don't. So since you're here, you're used to American water. You might get some bottled water. You do natural things, right? But you don't live in fear. You just go to the mission field, and you serve the Lord, and you serve the kingdom of God, and you do the will of God, and you take natural precautions. But you refuse to live in fear. Am I helping somebody? Well, whether you're in the United States or another country, a third world country, you, you take natural precautions, but you refuse to live in fear. Thank you, Jesus.